In Australia, there are at least 50 car companies and probably another 15 truck companies as well, 65 or more different brands. Each one of those brands has a lot of nameplates. There are probably about 400 nameplates. And I don't mean each model. Something like a Commodore is just one nameplate. It has variations within it, but a nameplate, is that's one. A Falcon is another. So there are heaps and heaps of cars, different cars out there. Well, this week, I've been to a launch of a Hyundai. There's also been a launch of a Lexus and one uh, an announcement from Subaru and the launch of another model, a new and updated model from Audi. How can we get to them all? Well, we have great friends of the program like Rob Fraser from anyauto.com.au a great website, and he's been to the Audi launch. I know nothing about it, but he's on the line. He's going to tell us all. Rob, thank you very much for your time. Uh, you're welcome, David. It has been a busy week. What is the Audi that they uh, launched? They've launched the ninth-generation Audi A4, which is in the compact executive class. The Audi A4 has been around in one sort of format or another since 1995, so a bit over 20 years. And they've actually been, been had a, an offering in this segment of the market since way back 1974. So there's a long history there of Audi in this particular compact executive class. It's a car that is not super large and, and hugely expensive. It's a way of getting into the Audi brand, brand a bit like an AB or C class of Mercedes or other uh, brands like that that uh, get you the name but comes with some good quality as well. Is, is that where it fits into the market? Oh, look, absolutely. It's a direct competitor for the BMW 3 Series and the Mercedes-Benz C-Class. And uh, I have to say, after spending a couple of days driving, my first impressions are that it has actually raised the bar and, and the others are now starting to play catch-up a bit. Oh, really? That's interesting, because the others aren't bad. The C-Class Mercedes has uh, received high praise. Uh, the BMW 3 Series has done remarkably well for that brand. So what, what can they do, or more particularly, what have they done? I think what they have done, I mean, like all of us, as we get a little bit older, we get a little bit bigger, and, and this car itself is, is about 25 millimetres longer than the previous model, and it's a little bit wider, but no higher. So it takes on a very squat sort of appeal. And what they've done is introduced just unbelievable amounts of technology into the car. We could sit here for over an hour and just talk about how much technology is put into the car. And I think, to be honest, most people really don't understand what's behind it or probably have an interest in behind it. But what they do like is how that technology makes their driving experience more pleasurable and easy. And that's what Audi have done very well with this vehicle. So we've talked about technology and making more efficient, more powerful engines, more gears in the gearbox and so on. But, you know, the real technology, we did a news story about Ford not going to the Paris Motor Show. They're going to concentrate on technology shows. It's a case of a much more obvious or more direct feeling and benefit to you that this sort of technology brings about. So what what are some of the more important things that come to your mind about the new Audi? Well, look, I've actually had a bit of a think about this and tried to pick out just some of the highlights amongst the, the, the multitude of, of new pieces that are brought in. And, and I think technology, for technology's sake, is probably a waste of time, but technology for increased safety and increased versatility is, is, is a great benefit. But just as an example, they've now developed headlights that differentiate between city and motorway driving. 
So if it's in the city, it'll, it'll drop the, the low beam down further. If it's on the motorway, the low beam will actually sit up higher. So you don't have to actually put it on high beam. If you are on high beam, it will actually detect a vehicle in front of you and dull the lights where that particular vehicle is, but still give you the high beam either side of that vehicle so you can still see further ahead. Just fascinating technology. I, I like the technology that is useful to you. Sometimes cars do things for me I don't want them to do, but this is clearly one that makes my driving task safer and easier. And they have concentrated very much on that type of technology. There is some some interesting things. For example, they do have an Audi tablet that sits in there for the back seats, and, and for whatever reason, the passenger in the back seat, be it the kids, can send a message to Dad you know, on the front sort of screen saying, can we stop at McDonald's or something? And so technology <laughs> like that is, is a little bit... Um, you sort of question why you have it, but uh, but now the, the rest of the technology they're, they're, they're introduced into the vehicle is actually quite good. And little things like, as I said, it's longer, it's wider, it takes on a more squat appeal, but it's also 65 kilograms lighter. You know, and they've done that by introducing things like magnesium in the steering wheel and, and the rear support for the rear seats is all magnesium. So high technology, low weight materials um, give extra strength as well. So again, greater technology, greater safety, improvements in uh, weight saving and then improvements in economy. 65 kilograms, it's nearly one person. Perhaps not quite nearly me or the very or tall. Or me, you. David, though. <laughs> I, I noted you're very tall. Uh, yes. Uh, I think you played front row forward for uh, football teams. Uh, but that aside, but you know, 65 kilograms, it makes a difference. It makes a difference in terms of performance and fuel economy. Well, it's all about power to weight ratio. The lighter, the better. The lighter and more safe, the better. Um, but t talking about tall, there are a couple of issues. I actually had the opportunity to sit in the back of the Audi A4. And, and again, it is the compact executive size. So it's not a large vehicle as such, but with a reasonable size driver in front, I was fairly comfortable sitting in the back. Um, you know, my head was, was just on 190 centimetres or six foot three in the old scale. My head was, was just sort of, you know, shy of the roof, but I had plenty of sort of shoulder room and knee room and it was comfortable. Geez, that's incredible, isn't it? That is really very good. Yeah. The, the downside also is in this class is that, again, if you're a tall driver and you have your driving seat a long way back, you will find that the B pillar intrudes on your you know, ease of getting in and out because your seat's further back than the vehicle. But that's the same for any vehicle in this class. Are the super options like the headlights and that, are they standard across every A4 model or are they only for the, the top of the range? No, look, I, 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 the majority of the technology, I must admit, is standard across the range. Um, and the entry level is a, is a 1.4 TFSI front-wheel drive vehicle. And you can actually... and, and it. Its, its level of standard equipment is quite substantial and you can get into that vehicle for a touch under 60000 and that makes very affordable, very aspirational and for that dollars you get a great vehicle. If you drive that vehicle in isolation you'll sit there and go this is a really nice comfortable vehicle I like. Well the other thing is while it's not a very big Audi it's still as you say a big well a, a comfortable size car for people even of your dimension. Very much so. As driving the vehicle, I was exceptionally comfortable. You know, and even at that level, you've got leather all the way through. You've got a configurable um, screen in front of you, the dashboard. A really nice-feeling steering wheel. However, like a lot of European vehicles, the options list is long and expensive. And 
You know, if you start talking about the two-litre TFSI, the Quattro with the S-Tronic Sports and the, you know, the S-Line package or whatever, you, all of a sudden you can easily rack that up to about $100,000, which is, which is a very expensive vehicle for this class of vehicle. Yeah, it does make it, uh, as I say, that you're certainly nowhere near the uh, size of the largest A8 or, you know, say the BMW 7 Series. I mean, they're very super expensive and super big. So paying $100,000 for what is, I guess, a, a Corolla-sized vehicle, you are certainly paying for the privilege. But it's interesting, the Audi and I guess all of the, the manufacturers in this class it's very much a middle management to sort of upper management type person that buys this vehicle. It's not necessarily an aspirational purchase. They've they've probably already had one or two vehicles beforehand and they've upgraded now to the A4 and then they may like the bigger vehicle or it might be the second vehicle for them, but they're, they're definitely a a brand connoisseur. They're, they're, you know, they like their Audis and they want to continue buying the Audi. The performance of it, the handling, I presume Audi has a pretty good reputation. Does it live up to it? Oh, excellent. We had the opportunity to do some long loping drives on the freeway plus some really tight bends sort of driving between Canberra down to Batemans Bay. And uh, had the opportunity to test the vehicles right from that 1.4 litre front wheel drive through to the 2 litre TFSI and also the 2 litre TDI in the Quattro version. A diesel engine? A diesel engine, yes, the 2 litre diesel engine and the 2 litre TFSI as well. And and all of them handled beautifully. They rode beautifully. There was very little wind noise. Again, contributed to by technology with acoustic glass and and uh, specially shaped rear view mirrors on the outside and a lot of under, underneath the vehicle itself was a lot of uh, um, wind deflectors. Even around the, the rear suspension, they have wind deflectors to try and reduce the noise as well. Like. I mean, obviously, they're very passionate about their vehicle, but they sit there and you go through some of what they've done with that vehicle and you just sit there and shake your head and you think, this is just amazing. It is amazing the level of detail they go to, isn't it? You think of it as, oh, you just put a roof on a car with a bonnet and some mud guards and you know, make it as smooth as possible. But when you start considering the airflow around suspension from a noise point of view, you know you really are looking at it in immense detail. For those that like this sort of information, the, the wind coefficient is about 0.27, which is phenomenally low. You're doing well if it's 0.3. It used to be around, well, the first cars back in the 50s were 0.46. Now they're getting down to well, nearly half that. That's pretty amazing. I'm not sure that it's a linear scale, but yeah, the, the, it, nonetheless, it shows how far we've gone in that direction. No, I think these days to get just those minor increases, there's an enormous amount of work that goes into it. But the one thing that really struck me about the A4 was not only the fact that it was an all-new vehicle and from the ground up, basically, but it was everything that had gone into it, everything that all their technology and all their development and everything got into it was there for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to make the driving experience better for the driver. You wonder sometimes why you pay for a brand name, but if the brand name has that level of intense commitment to the driver and the experience, then you can see why that adds up. You can sit there and say, look, you know, even $58,000 for an A4 through to $100,000, which is expensive, but certainly we're between $60,000 to sort of seventy-five dollars to $80,000 you can get a vehicle that it actually represents very good value.
And I think that's the key thing, not so much the dollar, it's the value you get for the dollar. And this is a very competitive segment, not only to have the 3 Series BMWs and the, the C-Class Mercedes, you throw in there some entrants from Volvo and Peugeot, and, and that there's a lot of uh, people competing for this segment of the market. And the, the premium segment market's about 10%, and this compact executive class is competing within that as well. So... Uh, it, it only sort of bodes well for buyers, I think. DS Citroen, you know, trying to yes. you know be something with a little bit of that feel for it. DS Citroen, I was talking to a colleague today about you walked outside and you looked at it and you thought, oh, yeah, that's special. It, yes. it looked a place, certainly to DS3, for example. And nowadays can be the same. So it it's a perception, it's a feeling in many ways, but, gee, that's a lot of what it's about. I sense from what you're saying there, Rob, that uh, you've got the feeling. Oh, look, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the two days, to be honest. Testing the number of vehicles that we do, David, you, you sort of, you tend to sort of look at them very coldly and clinically, but this, this car actually had personality and it made the driving experience fun. Mm, Rob, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. That's Rob Fraser from anyauto.com.au talking about the new Audi A4, the ninth version of that car they've had over a long period of time and haven't they developed it far?